This is Win, Lose, or Rain, the podcast about sports with a mean lean to baseball. We talk to the people, that is the players, the pundits, and yeah, even the occasional super fan. What are they about? How did they get here? What were their prospects real or imagined? And what's next? And while we're at it, let's throw a little pepper on the hot topics. No salad, all show. Here's your host, Abby Kowal. This week, guys, ESPN's play-by-play commentator Tom Hart joins the podcast to talk all things college baseball, everything from the insane Super Regionals we all watched last weekend to the Game 1 matchups in Omaha, and just what to expect out of these eight teams headed to the College World Series. It's one of the best weeks of the year, and I hope you all are watching just as much college baseball as I am, and I hope you guys enjoy this one. I appreciate you doing this kind of on short notice, but in honor of the College World Series, I wanted to get you on and talk to you about what happened over the weekend and what's to come. Um, I mean, to start briefly, what an insane weekend it was. I think it was six out of eight games went to a game three, which was the most ever in the Super Regionals, which, I mean, I spent most of my weekend watching. Um, <laughs> but you were in Nashville calling the Mississippi State Vandy Series, right? I was, yeah. And and ours was insane, but I think what added to the drama was everywhere was crazy. Right. I mean, I, nobody had a series like we did with two walk-offs and an extra inning game. But just for example, in our last night, we've, we've got a game three going on, and we've been delayed two hours because of thunderstorms. And so as our game is coming down to the wire, at the exact same time, they're doing the same thing in a game three in Fullerton, which, by the way, had a perfect game through mm-hmm. like six and a third or something like that. So as a as a broadcaster, I'm having a blast. But as a college baseball fan, I'm on the edge of my seat because I'm watching our game right in front of us. And I literally have the ESPN app on to my left, right <laughs> next to my video monitor. So while I'm watching every pitch of our game through my eyes or through the monitor, then I have like another eye on what's going on at Fullerton. It was it was crazy. I don't remember I don't remember it being that nuts because we've never had that. We've never had six supers go down to game three and they've been playing the super regional round since nineteen ninety nine. And you know more than half the field isn't decided until the final day in Florida until like the final minute. It was it was so much fun. Yeah, that I mean it was kind of bittersweet, you know being an Aggie fan, not having a team in the Supers, but watching it from a different perspective. And it's crazy how even then, like like you said, I was on the edge of my seat literally every game of the Supers. Like you said, you're uh, Nashville. Two of the games were determined by a walk-off, and the, last, the third game went into extra innings. Was the environment there just electric? Did people stay around the entire time? Like, what was it? What? Yeah, it mirrored, it probably mirrored what was going on in your living room. I mean, literally, I, I would look out the window and look at the fans, and they were they were standing. I mean, they had to stand the entire game because at any moment something was going to happen to change the game and therefore the outcome of the of the series. Mississippi State, you know, that's a, that's a smaller ballpark in Vanderbilt. Mm-hmm. Um, it seats less than, less than 3,700. And Mississippi State fans were allotted, I believe, 600 tickets to buy through Mississippi State. Well, there were way more than 600 state fans in there. Uh, I'm not about to say it was 50-50, but they were well represented. There's always and, a way. <laughs> yeah, they're such a great fan base. So then every pitch, the emotion is 
swinging. Every at bat, the emotion is swinging from one side to the other. So the atmosphere was fantastic. Added to that, Nashville is just such a cool, hip city. The CMAs were going on at the same time. So, like, the entire CMA week was full of, you know, country music festival. And Nissan Stadium had big acts every day. And so the, the people watching was amazing. You'd go to lunch and see all these people going to the country shows. You'd run into them that night. And in between, there's baseball. And what was really cool for me was the fact that, you know, baseball got a ton of attention. You know, mm-hmm. like the, the city was paying attention to what was going on on the West End. And that was that was really cool because a lot of times we think about baseball, especially in the South, it's in smaller markets. It's not in the biggest cities. When I'm, we're talking about college baseball. And Nashville's a, Nashville's a big city. And it, it was just as important as the CMAs or Bonnaroo or anything else that was going on around that time. So that made it a ton of fun. I completely did not realize, like I knew the CMAs were going on, but I didn't realize that was overlapping. That's crazy. So I bet it was just rocking over there. (laughs) But unfortunately for Vanderbilt, Mississippi State came out with the victory. Um, And, you know, they're facing Washington this weekend. Both teams were not a one seed in the regional, but – you know, you saw Washington's offense really come through this weekend, and I think it'll be interesting to see how Mississippi State's pitching fares against them. What do you see out of that matchup? Well, Mississippi State's pitching, and their bullpen especially, wasn't one of their strengths going into the Vanderbilt series. I mean, we didn't have high expectations for them. They, they're 10th in the SEC in ERA. Um, they, they don't walk a lot of guys relative to the number they strike out. Um, but they, they're, they're an offense that needs to score. They're a team that needs to score to have success. They're not going to win many 1-0, 2-0 games. But they did pitch really well over the last seven games or so. The ERA is down to like three and a half. And a big reason for that is they're striking out a ton of batters. They're striking out more than 10 per game in the last like 13 games. Um, so they need to be better defensively. They turn a lot of double plays, but they also commit a lot of errors. So I agree with you with, in terms of Mississippi State's pitching. It's got to be a little bit better, especially at the bullpen, although those guys came up with some big moments in the Vandy Super Regional. You're just not in position to win extra inning games unless your bullpen's throwing well. Mm-hmm. What's going to be fun for me, and I think something for fans to watch, will be Joe Wainhouse of Washington. This dude's 6'6", 255 pounds. He's homered five times in the NCAA tournament. He had three home runs in their regional, drove in six, first-team all-conference guy. He just gets up there and mashes. And SEC fans, might the name might sound familiar. He was at Ole Miss like, for a hot minute back in 2015. Then went to junior college, then um, ends up at Washington. And he's a, just a big, bearded bruiser. He just mashes. He's like the college version of Evan Gaddis. And... Um, you know, he's a guy that can hurt you anytime. So he'd be a lot of fun to watch. He's got those five home runs. And on the other side for State, Elijah McAdee's homered five mm-hmm. times in the postseason, too. So those are some clutch hitters going head-to-head. Do you think uh, the local people in Omaha are going to go for Washington? From what I've heard, that's what the word on the street. Wow. You have better sources than I do. I'm anxious to see when I show up what it's going to look like. Now, I don't know that state fans are going to need a whole lot of locals pulling for them. I fully expect Omaha to be overrun by Mississippi State fans. Yes, agree. They're used to going there. Yeah, this will be their 10th trip to the College World Series. It'll be Washington's first 
so I think that these are these are Mississippi State Bull, uh, Bulldog baseball fans that have been anxious to get back. So there there'll be a ton of them there. I, I love, that's one of the things that you know that's so cool about Omaha is not just to see each individual fan base, but to see then who the the teams the fans that show up with no no clear team mm-hmm. who they end up pulling for and who the locals end up pulling for. With a guy like Wayne House, I, I could see them adopting Washington for sure. I always think it's interesting. One of my friends is from Omaha and she was telling me, you know, they, they always the locals will pick the team that's kind of the Cinderella. I don't really think there's a Cinderella team this year, but I saw her, she put out a post and was like, All right, verdict is Washington, I guess, for all the locals. So I don't know. We'll see. But yeah, it's so that's interesting. Cool. Well- they may not be a Cinderella based on how they finished the regular season because they had a they had a great finish to the year, and they darn near won the Pac-12, which was very surprising for those of us who follow it, but from a distance to see that they made such a sprint at the end. But they they do face the longest odds. Um, yes. Westgate has already come out and put them at fourteen to one, where Florida and Oregon State are both three to one. So the experts will say that they would be the Cinderella. And speaking of Cinderella teams, you know, a lot of people had Tennessee Tech as a Cinderella team, which in my opinion, I don't know, that team is really good from what I saw over the weekend. But, you know, they had a good series against Texas, uh, went to game three. And Texas, of course, which we can talk about, but they're going to face a good Arkansas team. And I think this matchup, personally, for two reasons, is going to be interesting. Not only the whole Augie, you know, what happened with him this year and their they want to win it for him, but also this kind of old rivalry between Arkansas and Texas from back in the day, and I think that'll be interesting. What game are you calling first? It's not that one, is it? No, that's uh, that game happens Sunday afternoon, okay. and I will have the Florida game that night on Sunday night. Um, it'll be a, that'll be a really good appetizer, and the stadium's going to be buzzing. I think. The interesting part for me with Arkansas will be, can their offense translate to that ballpark? And I haven't crunched the numbers yet, but just parenthetically speaking, watching them at the SEC tournament at Hoover, which is a similar size ballpark to Omaha, it doesn't have the same wind patterns. Um, And usually the wind is blowing in. It makes it really tough to hit home runs at at TD Ameritrade. But Arkansas came up in a half dozen times with fly balls to the warning track that at their ballpark that leaves the yard. And I thought it, I thought it really mitigated some of the things that they do well, which is they have depth in the lineup from one through nine where everyone has power. When you get to Omaha, it's like you've got to be a real power hitter to get one out of there. So it'll be interesting to see if they can score runs without hitting the ball over the fence. I know they can because they do a lot of other things really, really well when it comes to their offense. It's just that the home runs jump off the page at you. And you're right about Tennessee Tech. I mean, they led the nation in home runs. They led the na- nation in batting average and runs scored. Um, and they had, I think, the worst hitter in their starting lineup was hitting 310. And I thought they, they represented themselves so well throughout the entire tournament, especially going down to Texas. And it just seemed like whenever teams started to chip back at Tennessee Tech or have a big inning, the Tech would turn around and put another three spot on the board Mm -hmm. and pull away once again. So they would have, without a doubt, they would have been the Cinderella's and they would have been a fun story to follow. But I do think, to your point about Augie Garrido, I think Texas will be, even though they are a powerhouse program and they don't need any favors, 
I think they will be the sentimental favorites for a lot of people given Augie's passing away in mid-March. Do you think, you know, I feel like Texas kind of found a, a pretty good bullpen mix later in the season, but kind of like you mentioned, you know, Arkansas has a stacked lineup. Do you think their pitching will hold up at least against Arkansas? Well, nobody's, um, you know, as far as Arkansas's pitching, nobody's been better than Blaine Knight this year. It's 13-0. Nobody else can say that. Isaiah Campbell um, can be inconsistent, but he's really good, and they have a, a legit closer. The problem with Texas's pitching is that they don't have a ton of depth, and their top-end guys I just don't see as being as good as, say, Florida's top-end guys. Like, mm-hmm. you could argue that Florida won it last year, and they won the entire tournament, but they won it with two starters and a closer. I mean, that simplifies things a little bit, and I understand that I'm, I'm boiling it down. Um, but Texas, those are those are two elite starters in Fiedo and Singer. Those are two first-round picks. And Michael Burns, one of the best closers in college baseball. He was the most. So he was a, really fun yeah, to those, watch. <laughs> yeah, and that guy can go forever. He threw four innings the other night. Um, and I just don't see Texas. Texas has to mix and match their pitching, similar to that. Chase Sugar will probably start early and come out of the bullpen late, and he'll be used kind of like a rubber arm whenever they can and however they can. Um, but I just don't see that kind of those kind of elite arms from Texas. Now they've got elite offense. They've got a, a fantastic shortstop. Cody Clemens will be one of the best hitters in Omaha. Um, but, yeah, a lot of times it comes down to pitching, pitching and defense. And I think the pitching leaves a little bit desire, to be desired when it comes to Texas. So now the game that you're covering first, I guess, is the Florida-Texas Tech matchup. I also feel like we keep, you know, I feel like the theme is the bullpen. A lot of these teams have good offenses, but Tech has depth in the bullpen, but I feel like it's sometimes wishy-washy or, you know, if if they figure out how to mix and match how they use their bullpen players, I don't know. It's going to be an interesting one for me. I'm with you. I'm with you. I think if, if Tech is going to have success against Florida, it's going to have to start with their offense. Like They're going to need to knock Brady Singer around a little bit, which is easier said than done. Definitely. Um, <laughs> but I think, yeah, I think the most important thing is, even though they weren't in the tournament last year, I mean, they were here in 2016. They were here in 2014. You know, they, they kind of expect to be in these situations. Um, they were – Top 10 in the country in 13 different offensive stats. They had a ton of home runs. Um, they, can, they can really score. They can, they can score a lot of runs. They can score a ton of runs. And Josh Young, their third baseman, is going to be one of those guys, I think, that kind of catches, catches some headlines while we're out there. Um, but I'm, I'm with you. I don't, I don't know if the pitching has the depth to be effective all the way through. How about that Auburn series? <laughs> What a tough uh, way to go down. I'm sitting, I'm literally sitting in my uh, home office right now, and I've got game three on the TV, playing on the DVR right now, and it's 2-2 two, two in the bottom of the eighth. And it's just like every time you saw Florida start to mount a rally, and as great as their lineup is, Auburn would pull a defensive play out of their hat. And, and it was so impressive that Auburn continually answered the bell. I mean, Listen, this is a Florida team that's going to be in Omaha for the fourth consecutive year and they're defending national champs. They expect to be there. Um, no one expected this out of Auburn this quickly. And it's not, I don't think they're a flash in the pan. They've, they've done it the right way. They've developed an entire program 
And what they've done, and what they've done there is going to last them a, a long, long time. I, Auburn's one of those teams that you know I think could go on a really big run and be a regular in Omaha based on based on the talent that they have on campus right now. Yeah, that there. Every time I was like, okay, it's over, and I thought Florida would, you know, face hit whatever. There was a, some crazy defensive play from Auburn that I was just like, this is insane. This is what college baseball is all about, or postseason baseball is all about. But yeah, they have nothing to worry about. They're going to be a solid team next year and the years after. Um, lastly, yeah, no lastly, UNC and OSU top eight seed matchup. I mean, OSU is just. OSU. Um, their offense has been incredible, yeah. and North Carolina has been has a very disciplined offense, which I think will be interesting how they handle OSU. But what are your thoughts on this matchup? Well, North Carolina hasn't lost in the tournament. Um, they've been a hot starting team. Their run differential in the first inning is like forty runs. They're, they're really good early, and that's what they were able to do to Stetson in game number two. They jumped out of the gate. They led four to nothing. They didn't look back. They've they've got an experienced team. They've got you know they've got a lot of talent and and they're really impressive. Zach Hagen, their second baseman, has been fantastic. He's got eight hits and a couple home runs in the postseason. Mike Fox has been there before. I mean, they were it wasn't that long ago that they were regulars in Omaha. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think those experiences, even though they lost to Oregon State in the finals consecutive years, I think those experiences will certainly help. Mike Fox, even though these guys were kids when that happened in terms of the players, I think he learned some lessons in terms of how to manage how to manage a team on that stage during that run. Oregon State is just, they're an amazing program. I mean, they have first-rounders all over the place. They have two first-rounders in the middle of the infield. They have a future first-rounder behind the plate. Um, they've got a great one in center field. I mean, it's probably four first-rounders that are going to be on the field for them at any time during the course of this tournament. And they've got a chip on their shoulders. You know, two years ago, they felt bad about the way things worked. They didn't get in. Last year, they still feel like that they got they got hosed by the umpires, which I don't necessarily disagree with them. Yeah. There were times where, yeah, there's a, a foul ball that was miscalled. There was a strike zone that was uber tight. And the thing about Oregon State hitters, especially when you see Stephen Kwan in the leadoff spot and Nick Madrigal, who bats second, is that they have such a good eye at the plate. To me, those are the kind of hitters that get hurt by bad home plate umpires. And here's why. These guys know the strike zone. So when it's a close call and it goes against them, they get even more frustrated because they know that it wasn't a strike. And that's what happened to them when they got a bad break with a bad umpire behind the plate against LSU last year. And I really felt for them because they're such a disciplined hitting team. I felt like it was hard for them to swing at balls out of the strike zone, which is what they would have had to have done that day. And they just they just couldn't figure it out. And lost two in a row to LSU after being a team that that I think lost six times the entire season. So they bring just as much talent back this year. Yeah, I, I want to say I have a clear pick. I usually go into Omaha every year with a pick, but just watching the Supers made me realize how <laughs> it's so up in the air. You could be the best team and go to and out, but 
It's pretty crazy. Do you yeah, like- I think. I mean, I think Oregon State is a great example of that from last year. I mean, they were by far the best team in the country, and just they just couldn't finish the deal. Um, I like Oregon State. I think I think they're the most talented team there. I think they're the most consistent team there. If Florida was still playing like they were early in the year, um, there's no doubt that that Florida would be my favorite based on the the, the fact that their arms are elite. Um, but I think. I think Oregon State would have a few more advantages than Florida going up there this week. I'm going Arkansas. I'm just going to throw it out there. Wow. <laughs> okay. You know, just Why? It, gut, my gut instinct. Yeah, I'm, I'm anxious. Listen, if we have the same win pattern that we had last year, yeah. which, is, which was out to left for the most part, um, I absolutely Auburn can win this thing. But if the win is like it normally is, makes home runs come at a premium, I think that's going to be really tough and very frustrating for him. Um, and, and the other part, the one thing that I'm kind of down on Arkansas about, and th- this has to be perfect, is their fielding has not been at an elite level this year. And when you get to Omaha, where so many games come down to one pitch, one at-bat, one moment, you've got to be almost perfect. There have been teams that have won the entire tournament with a lackadaisical offense, but great pitching and elite fielding. I can't think of a team that won the thing with simply a powerful offense and That's adequate <laughs> pitching and below par defense. So right. if they can if they can field the ball and not make mistakes, they'll have a chance. You heard it here first. Just saying. <laughs> All right. Well, I'll say it. I'll give- I'll give you love on the air. <laughs> well, to cap this off, I do like this little thing at the end where I just ask some quick questions, um, rapid fire or not rapid fire, just answer, you know, just a couple quick ones. Um, what's your favorite college baseball stadium to visit? Uh, Texas A&M, without a doubt. It's really? The ballpark is first rate. Yeah, the fans too. I, I, you know, there's a lot that are in that category or right below them. I mean, LSU certainly deserves mention. Arkansas is awesome. Texas was a lot of fun for the regionals. Uh, but there's just something different about College Station. I'm going to have to agree with you there. What about favorite major league stadium? Well... I have so many of them. I don't mean to take an easy out here, but I grew up a Royals fan, so that's towards the top of my list. But I've been to just about all of them, and there's something special about being at Fenway and being at Wrigley. I had a chance to go literally inside the Green Monster and watch a couple innings from inside there. Wow. And I'm telling you, it's it's awesome. I mean, if, if baseball is religion to you, then both Wrigley and Fenway are like cathedrals. Yeah, Wrigley was amazing. I just went to AT&T in um, San Francisco two weeks ago. That's pretty. That was a pretty cool it's park, awesome, too. It's awesome, isn't it? Mm-hmm. It's really pretty, yeah. and, you know, it's on the water. But it didn't beat Wrigley for me, obviously, because I'm a psycho but with the Cubs. But um, it was a really cool park. Definitely a park that I'd say everyone would have to experience. Well, what I love, what I love about San Francisco is it's not just – the fact that it's a beautiful building and it's a a great stadium and the sight lines are incredible and the view of McCovey's Cove. By the way, I also also kayaked in McCovey's Cove, so that was fun to do that during a game. Um, I saw signs for it. (laughs) Yeah, but the other part that's really cool is that there there aren't a whole lot of obnoxious bells and whistles at these ballparks we're talking about. San Francisco fits that mold. Like, it's just baseball and it's simple 
And when you're on the West Coast, it kind of feels like you're in a time machine. At least it does to me. And it feels like a throwback kind of ballpark, especially uh, given their presentation. You know, fans there love their baseball, and so they don't need they don't need all the other stuff um, going on around it. It's just it's just baseball. I think that's what makes it so relaxing and cool. I completely agree. It was definitely a really cool experience. It was a little chilly, but <laughs> worth it. Uh, let's see. Is there a game or event that you've covered that's just really stuck out to you? No matter when it was, if it was a while ago or recent, just really stuck out to you. Um, well, yeah, this is recency bias here, but the Super Regional in Nashville last week, only because the teams are so evenly matched and there's so much emotion. And I think for the players and for the coaches, the difference between getting to Omaha and not and, and the spotlight that that brings can be um, obviously memories for a lifetime, but can be even more than that. There's a lot on the line for these guys. And given that and the way those games ended, and we had a great crew and a great broadcast, and that's kind of how I how I judge things too. Uh, we left there on a high. It was so much fun. And um, I'm not sure. I hope that gets replicated soon. And if that happens in Omaha, then that means we got a bunch more great games coming. When did you know that broadcasting was something that you wanted to pursue? Um, probably when I failed math in high school. <laughs> Story of my life. <laughs> <laughs> and then I found out that people got paid to go to games. Are you kidding me? Yeah. That's, and that's, I'm being funny, but it's really not that far from the truth. No, I, I get it. Trust me. I get it. You're just a billion steps ahead. I'm a step. You're right behind me. <laughs> We'll see. Maybe one of these days. Um, what is okay? Let's end it on this one. What's just your favorite part about covering the College World Series? You know, being in that environment with eight teams playing, putting it all out on the field, and the experience and the fans. What's your favorite part about it? Well, I have a lot. Of, I have a lot of great memories from last year, and there's a lot of things that I really appreciate about it. Number one is. And this is a little bit inside baseball or inside broadcasting is, is getting getting to work with such an awesome crew. It's a big event for our crew, and that there, are, you know, at any given weekend we go in to do a game, and, and it's a very tight knit group, and we all believe in what we're doing, and we have a passion for it, we have a lot of fun, and then you get to Omaha, and it's like ten times the size. So it's a it's a big event, and everyone there is so dedicated to it. And we get a lot more bells and whistles to play with and a lot more exposure. Um, but then that leads me to the next part is that it's such a great sport that I really appreciate the fact that when you get to Omaha, people nationally start paying attention. And I'm cool with that. I'm cool with the fact that people come on late in the year and, and they come on just to watch a national championship because it's not for everybody. And when the game's going on at the same time March Madness is or opening day of MLB, sometimes it can get lost in the shuffle. What I love about Omaha is that we've got the spotlight to ourselves and that the game really gets celebrated for what it is. And then finally, the, the magnitude of the event on site. I had no idea how big it was um, in person. You know, all the stuff that's going on around the ballpark, yeah, the fan crazy. fest and the, you know, the concerts and uh, all the people. And so it's just, it's just a great celebration of the game of baseball. And I would, I would recommend it to anybody to go up there if you want to go you know you want to go with your boys and have a few beers and get a steak that's cool if you want to go with your family and take your son and daughter 
and you know go check out the fan fest that's great if you want to go with the girls and turn it into a night where you can go to the concerts and the games it's anybody can go and have a great time and um and that's what i love about it like it's it's very rare that you get a big time sporting event that is both affordable and within reach to any sort of fan and you can get whatever you want out of a week or a weekend in omaha and I'm not going to lie, before I went last year, I was like, ugh, who wants to go to Omaha, Nebraska? No, not hating on Omaha. But, like, you know, you just don't think that's going to be the great experience that it is. And I would go every year. <laughs> it was the most fun, like, besides just being at the ballpark all day and taking that in, the nightlife even, the concerts and the people that were out and the fan, like, it was just unbelievable. And, yeah, like you said, if anyone gets a chance to go. 100%. You got to experience it. Yeah, and you don't know until you get there. And it's really hard. I think it's really hard to explain to people because they might be thinking the same thing that you did, which was well, what's in Omaha for me. And I think that's what's really cool is it seemingly has something for everybody. Not to mention you just can watch baseball for hours on end for days in a row. It's wonderful. <laughs> but That too. That too. Well, thank you so much, Tom. And you got to tell... Kyle and Laura, I say hello. I wish I was going to be there this year. I'm, like I said, I'm having a little bit of FOMO, but um, you guys will kill it, and we'll be watching everything, and I'm excited. Well, thank you for watching, and I will give your best to all of them. We'll miss having you there. Great. Sounds good, and thank you again, and um, safe travels to Omaha. Thanks again to Tom Hart for joining the podcast this week. I hope you guys really enjoyed it and got some insight into this year's College World Series in Omaha. I wish I was there. If y'all are there, let me know and spam my phone with pictures and videos. But I hope you guys enjoyed it and make sure to give Win Lose Rain a follow on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter and be on the lookout for the next interviews to come. Bye guys.